Meet Frank, the most talented safecracker in Chicago. He wants big scores so he can collect enough money to retire and raise a family. So he makes a deal with a gangster to do a few odd heists before going straight. Only problem is the gangster doesn't want Frank to go straight. He owns Frank until Frank is burned out or dead. Now Frank has to make a choice, in or out. All this and more in today's episode, Michael Mann's feature-length debut, 1981's Thief. I'm Connor Izagheri. I'm Austin Johnson. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday and welcome to a retro episode of the Filmgasm podcast because I am joined today by Oscar Sunday host Austin Johnson, who has brought to us his pick from the cycle, Michael Mann's Thief. Since there's no rewind today, let's jump right in. Why'd you pick Thief? Because it fucking rules. <laughs> uh, I love Thief well, uh, so much. I saw it for the first time not that long ago. Um, I've been, during 2021, I uh, took it upon myself to watch more 80s movies and more 80s movies that seem to be uh, kind of up my alley. Uh, 70s is my favorite uh, decade in American filmmaking, and I, I, I've grown a lot over doing, you know, Oscar Sunday and whatnot, you know, with the 40s and 50s and 60s. And I feel like the 80s is the one where I've seen a lot of the big, big, big stuff, like, you know, the Indiana Jones and the Back to the Futures and those kinds of films. But there's, there's something about the 80s that's always kind of bothered me, and I want more from it. And Thief is one of those movies that that's definitely given me more, you know, and I'm very appreciative of it. It's uh, hit its 40th anniversary in 2021. So I was like, okay, it's time to come to watch this film. Uh, at the time it was on Criterion. So I watched it on there. Uh, and then just about a month ago, while you and I were in Los Angeles, I bought it on Criterion. I bought the DVD for it and now I own it. And it's just a complete gem to me. It's my favorite Michael Mann movie. It's my favorite Jimmy Kahn performance. Uh, yeah, I, just, I, I adore everything that that Thief has to offer, especially that that fucking score by Tangerine Dream. <laughs> Christ. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, it reminded me so much of uh, the Blade Runner score, which I thought was odd. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of 80s synth thing. I always love that. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. I wish they hadn't died out. There's so much in the eighties that stayed in the eighties, especially in film. Uh, yeah. It's a shame. Um, this was a, this was a tense movie. <laughs> uh, I, I like to, Michael Mann is so damn good at pressure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, every one of his films has some kind of just like boiling point. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. And you can see like it started with thief. Um, yeah. Debut baby. Yeah, we're going to get into it for sure. Michael Mann's a, a filmmaker who definitely has done some hits. Um, but James Kahn James just made sense for this kind of a character. Just a safe cracker trying to go straight, but kind of, you know, impossible to do so. Wanting so much, but never going to get it because of his past. James Kahn, like who else could play that? Yeah. Just made sense. Yeah, he's perfect in this movie as Frank. Uh he, yeah, he he dials it up at the right times. Uh, he just has that that hair that you 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 fucking love for for a guy who's who's kind of uh, had a rough had a rough go of it. And at this time, he's like exactly forty years old. Uh, and I think it's just kind of like you said, just it, it's perfect. I know there was a uh, uh, Gene Hackman was uh, wanted for this role. Roy Scheider was wanted for this role. 
and and I think those would have been good, but this one this one's perfect. Khan is perfect for this, and I love watching him talk about the movie on the Criterion, uh, the special features that's uh, featured on the, on the DVD and the Blu-ray is uh, there's an interview with James Conn talking about the character Frank and what he thinks, what he thinks the ending is about. And it's just really cool how he, he really liked this character. And he's always said uh, that the, his favorite scene he's ever done in his career is the diner scene uh, uh, in this film. So very cool. <laughs> yeah. James Conn doesn't seem like the kind of guy who'd be kind of, you know, who wouldn't reminisce a lot. feel like he doesn't, you know, look back, but I feel like this was so important to him. He, he's held on to it for so long as an actor. Yeah. This is a great role to really kind of sink into and make your own. I know yeah. that um, they were considering Jeff Bridges, but yeah, that too, that wouldn't have worked. No way. No he way. Was 81. He was too young. He was too young. Too, I, and he's too soft, way too soft for this. <laughs> you, you're, you're like, you're asking him in a, in, in, in a fucking car ride on like basically a first date to be like, Let's get on with this big romance, you know? Come on. He's fucking screaming. I'm uh, I wear $800 suits, my gold watch, you know? Like there's no way Jeff Bridges can 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 do all. I love Bridges to death. Yeah. But like like you said, he's too young at the time. Uh, he I I mean we we've are also before Thief, we've already seen fucking Con play Sonny, you know, the most intense character in the fucking Godfather trilogy. So, I don't know. That's like it's just perfect. He 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 has the right intensity right uh, for it, and I, I I love him so much. I love Khan so much. I wish I wish his his I wish his politics were a little bit different, and I wish his career would have gone a little bit differently uh, after all this stuff after his eighties run. But goddamn, he's the man. He's a hard ass dude from the Bronx. He can believe whatever he wants to believe. I nothing's changing his mind. <laughs> no, exactly. He's yeah. He's he's fucking Jimmy Khan. <laughs> So Thief is based on the 1975 novel The Home Invaders, Confessions of a Cat Burglar by real-life convicted thief Frank Hoemer, a.k.a. John Sabold. Couldn't really find out what his real name was. He used a couple aliases. Yeah. Uh, he was serving time in prison while this film was uh, being made. He then also served an additional sentence from 95 to 2001. He died in 05. So this guy was a tried and true thief and he wrote his story. I'm sure he embellished a lot, but thief ended up being made out of this guy's book, which is extremely yeah. hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 after I saw the movie, I was, I need to know what the source material is. I need to know what Michael Mann saw in this. Right. First off, not a good name for me, the home invaders. Like I, I just don't, I don't like that. And then, and then Michael Mann initially um, when the film, I believe it premiered at Cannes, and initially it was called violent streets oh god yeah and then it got changed to thief which is like okay every now and again it's nice to have producers who are like hey buddy <laughs> what is this hey, a buddy. charles bronson movie violent yeah. streets violent streets yeah thief is perfect i think it's great i think i think they nailed all that stuff but you know after releasing it uh in the united states and you know letting it into the world and i think you know it's Michael Mann, it's his debut, and you can just see the rest of his career, right, coming coming out of this movie. It's like, holy shit. I, w- I will say, though, The Jericho Mile, which uh, came out a few years before Thief, was a TV movie, and now you can buy it on DVD, Blu-ray, whatever. It's fantastic. Jericho Mile is fantastic. I would say that's more of his, like, debut, because it's, 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 a, it's a film, you know, and 
very, very good story. Very, very, very good. I think Connor, I think you would love it. Uh, but proper, you know, theatrical release thief. It's just crazy that this is his first go. Uh, it's incredible. Well, it's weird that this is considered his first movie. If he's got that TV movie, because like, you know, Steven Spielberg, everyone kind of considers Duel to be his debut, and that's a TV movie. So, like, how come Michael Mann doesn't get the same respect? How come Michael Mann? One well, also, <laughs> I think I think it's even. Uh, it, it's weird, yeah. The, the, like that double standard because I would like to have a chance to make a TV movie, and maybe people forget about it as being my real debut, so I can get another chance to kind of perfect my craft. And hey, and here's my real debut, right? Uh, yeah, I think I would like that. I think I would like Michael Mann's version rather than Steven Spielberg's. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, Thief was Oscar nominee Michael Mann's directorial debut to some. Mann has been nominated uh, for four Oscars, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Director, and Best Picture for The Insider. Great movie. Oh, and- yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Talk about pressure. My God. Yeah, for <laughs> real. Yeah. Russell Crowe, you can just feel him fucking... It's like he's stuck in a coffin in that movie. Just like, ah, and Al Pacino, uh, Al Pacino, and Michael Mann is one of my favorite combinations. Cause Michael Mann's like, I'm going to use this fucking guy. I'm going to let him yell as much as he wants, you know, of course in heat, uh, Jesus Christ, he's great. Oh yeah. And then that fourth Oscar was a best picture nod for the aviator, which he helped produce. Didn't know that. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's a, that's a good call. Uh, mm-hmm. aviator, aviator. Good movie. Pretty good. Some of his other films include Collateral, which I just watched uh, a few weeks ago. Fucking epic thriller. <laughs> yeah, that movie kicks ass. Mm. The Last of the Mohicans, which... Oh, yeah. I I like it for the most part. I think it's got its slow moments, but every time I do watch it, I, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, DDL, just, just yeah, putting on a show. <laughs> Manhunter which uh, a lot of people consider the beginning of the Hannibal Lecter franchise. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I like to, you know, I consider the Hopkins trilogy its own entity, and then there's Manhunter and the Hannibal show and its own thing. But Manhunter's not bad. Yeah, I like Manhunter. I like that one. Mm-hmm. I like Tom Noonan as Francis Dollarhide. That guy creeps oh. me the fuck out. Yeah, Tom Noonan, underrated uh, character actor who's, you know, been able to, been able to have kind of like a, second career in tv i think over the past you know a couple decades and but he's underrated i wish he was in more stuff i think i don't know i maybe it's by choice for him but he's great he's one of my favorite parts of hell on wheels his whole arc was so it got progressively more psychotic until it just exploded that was that was done so well um there's ali uh the muhammad ali biopic with, with will smith that was michael mann yeah not bad I like Ollie. I like Ollie. One of the things about Michael Mann is his movies are always so fucking long, right? Yeah. Uh, that's 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 probably my favorite thing about Thief is the pace is just right. While while yes, there's moments that are a bit slower. Maybe it's worth it because the the payoff is just right around the corner. And other and other movies of his, uh, like I like Public Enemies, but there are times where it's like, all right, let's get to the fucking point here, you know. Um, I, but I, yeah, I love Michael Mann's style. I mean, fucking heat, Jesus. Just oh, yeah. Worth every second. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about heat in a minute. We're not, that's a big one. We're going <laughs> to, yeah. Miami Vice. Yeah. yeah. Miami Vice is next. I didn't know he was also behind the show. Yeah. Which yeah. is pretty cool. So that was like his baby. 
Yes, I love Miami Vice. Fucking Colin Farrell like doesn't remember a goddamn second of filming that movie because he was so high the entire time. It's 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 I don't know. It's not funny. I mean, it is funny because it's like, oh my god, how do you not remember a whole movie working on a whole movie? But it's also not funny because he had serious substance issues, substance issues, and that sucks. But it is like you look at Colin Farrell's character, just his hair, you know. And the the way he's acting that movie is like it, it. You believe it. You believe that he wasn't like 100% present the whole time. He's kind of in a different place, and that's wild. I do love that movie though. Is he supposed to be the Don Johnson guy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've never seen a second of any Miami Vice. I just know the the, the music. <laughs> that's. I've never actually seen the show or the movie. Oh, you never seen the movie either. Oh, no. dude. Dude, yeah, check it out, man. That's a fun one. I'll keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you. I think I think you would love it. You'd have a blast with it, because yeah, because and those two are so fun together. Uh, Colin, Colin and Jamie Fox. I heard they got like they did not get along. Oh like, no, Jamie Fox no. like ego post Oscar win got in the way, squandered his uh, post Oscar bump a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's also uh, earlier uh, Naomi Harris. She's great in that movie. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like that one a lot. Cool. Uh, then there's Public Enemies, of course, which I think gets overlooked. You know, Johnny Depp's John Dillinger versus Christian Bale's Melvin Purvis. Uh, not exactly, you know, historically accurate, but what biopics are anymore? <laughs> yeah, I I like Public Enemies. It's not it's not bad. Definitely not bad, but it's also just not anywhere near Michael Mann's best, best stuff. Uh, I do think Johnny Depp is, is a little like off in that one. I think, I think Bale is fucking great as, as per usual, but I think Depp just kind of like, he does this a lot with, with roles. He'll just, he'll just take it in some scenarios, just take it a little too far or like, it's just out of the, the, the tone isn't right. And I think that happens uh, in public enemies, but it is, I watched it not that long ago. It, it's a fun movie. I think Depp got hired like almost entirely because he resembled Dillinger's mugshot so so much. But yeah. apart from that, that's that's it. So I, I don't think it was. Uh, I think he was miscast a bit. Yeah, yeah, and that that can happen. <laughs> There's that bit where he couldn't vault over the like the vault, like he couldn't bank up like vault over the um the separator between the, the tellers and the vault. So they like CGI'd his face onto a stunt double and it looks so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh um, man. And then of course, what might be Michael Mann's masterpiece heat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the most intense heist films of all time. Uh, Al Pacino versus Robert De Niro. I mean, Christ. Um. <laughs> uh, this yeah, I've seen Heat about I think I've seen it twice now, and it's just it's a bonkers film. It's almost three hours long, but it is worth the ride. Oh yeah, hundred percent worth the ride. Everybody's fucking turned up to eleven, screaming at each other, and it's a, it's it's one of those along with Thief. It's one of those kind of ultimate. I mean, a lot of Michael Mann's work is just ultimate dude movies. <laughs> uh, movies that when you meet. You, you're, you know, meet another uh, compadre who's just like, yeah, I fucking love Michael Mann. There's a feeling you get where you're like, yes, like a brother, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's really cool. I've, I've, I've made a joke a few times that I, I've always liked his movies and 
not really put it together that he's in, you know been the director of all of these, these these different films that are awesome. But when I became a dad, I was like, I became a really big Michael Mann fan. It's like I feel like that's something you have to do. Is like when you become a dad and you like movies, you got you got you got to love Michael Mann. <laughs> He's one of those guys. Like, have you have you not seen fucking Collateral? <laughs> you know, like this is genius work. <laughs> I'm just like, picturing you, just you at like a neighborhood barbecue, just yeah. talking to other dads about Michael Mann movies, and and, and they're like, dude, we don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> just going off about like Will Smith's aneurysms, uh, uh, mannerisms as a uh, fucking Ali. <laughs> God, yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> that's great uh so yeah that's michael mann one of the uh kind of an underappreciated filmmaker i think i mean a lot of you know cinephiles know him but he's not really listed among like you know the typical greats uh but he should be he's fucking weird he's really weird and when you hear him talk it's like it kind of makes sense that he hasn't hasn't gone to that sort of place that like a lot of the, the directors, you know, the mainstream directors, like he has a right to be in that conversation. He has a really good filmography. It's, it's prolific. It's long. It's f- about 40 years long now. And starting with thief and co- going all the way to, you know, black hat from 2015, which I think is actually pretty good. And, you know, I, that's, that's really impressive. That's really hard to do. Not a lot of guys do that. And have, you know, movies that make money at the box office, get Oscar nominations, and uh, they last with culture. I think it's him. I think it's him who just doesn't, he just doesn't fucking care. He doesn't care to push it out there or make it known that, like, I'm this guy. I'm in charge of all these movies. He just does it because he, he loves it. I mean, he has an interview. Uh, he's talking about Thief, and he's talking about, you know, why he shot things the way he did, why there's a lot of rain, why there, why there's a lot of stuff shot at night because he liked the lighting of it. And he would talk about in this interview, he's talking about how he would look at like a bridge for two hours. He'd be stopped in his car, just staring at a bridge and he'd just study the, the way light came off of it, whether it was the sunset or sunrise or, you know, nighttime. He, he just, he's just one of those guys, he's a very, very observant guy who just, pays attention to every detail, you know, and I can't believe that more people haven't seen thief, you know, it's just so fucking good. And right away, you can see his touch right away uh, at the beginning when you, the camera's like, like in the drill, you know, when they're doing that first, you're like, Holy shit, this guy's good. You know, he's, he's doing something. He's doing fucking keyhole cameras uh, with his date, with his theatrical debut. This guy's got balls. Like it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I consider myself a, a bit of a Michael Mann fan. I had never heard of this movie until you uh, told me about it. So, like, it's, I don't know, I guess maybe this movie just kind of slipped through the cracks. And uh, I'm glad Criterion kind of resurrected it. Yeah, for sure. Me too. I'm very grateful for it. And I also have to shout out, uh, in March of last year, uh, one of my favorite podcasts in the entire world, it's called The Rewatchables. There's three guys that I have been long, long, long time fans of uh, Bill Simmons, Chris Ryan, and Sean Fennessy. They did a podcast about Thief uh, March of last year because they were like, look, more people need to see this. It's on HBO Max. It's, it, it hit its 40-year anniversary, and they were like, it's a, it's a masterpiece. You know, like, you, you got to try to see it. And that, that really intrigued me. I'd kind of heard of it. It was somewhere in the back of my brain. But after I heard that, I was like, okay, I need, 
I need to seek this movie out. I need to find this. I need to, I need to watch it. And I'm very, very glad I did. I actually remember must've been like three months ago when I first saw a thief and I had watched uh, the long goodbye, uh, Robert Altman and, and thief, like in the same couple of days. And I was just like, Oh my God, you know, this is, this is fucking unbelievable. These, these, these guys that I'm kind of discovering, you know, a different part of their career and falling in love with it. You know, that's kind of what it's all about is finding that stuff for you. And that's why I wanted to bring it mostly why I wanted to bring it to filmgasm was that's filmgasm. This podcast is the place for that. It's for bringing those, those random things that just excite you. Uh, and thief thief is one of those. I'll, I'll never shut up about it at this point. Yeah. This podcast has kind of gone from like a horror exclusive show to kind of just embracing the weirdness of film itself. And I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, it's kind of take all comers now at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which which is good. I think I think horror is 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 a wonderful genre. Probably my probably my when it's hitting, it's my favorite. You know, it's kind of like kind of like jazz and hip hop and rap. Like if it if it's working, it's really working. Yeah, and it's and it's incredible. Sometimes it can be complete like unwatchable shit, and just like there's times where rap can be like I can't listen to this. This is terrible. But when it hits, it hits. It fucking slaps hard. And uh, I think I think kind of shifting to genre films allows you to to embrace that feeling more. That feeling of, oh my god, this this gets me fucking jazzed. It makes me excited about movies and talking about movies. And uh, I, I love that about it. I mean, we still do a shit ton of horror movies, but yeah. horror uh, is it, yeah. It's definitely the backbone of this podcast. That's for sure. But we yeah. now get to kind of go into these various subgenres and get to explore different th- get to, uh, different stuff. Next week, for example, is not a horror movie. It's a straight up action sci-fi cult classic that I'm super jazzed to talk about. So there you go. Here we are with this whole new, you know, I don't want to say rebrand, but kind of a rejuvenation of the Filmgasm podcast this year. Yeah, I think I think realizing. Uh... I think especially, you know, I mean, uh, shout out, shout out to Caleb and Josh, who are just, just these core encyclopedias and fanatics. But I think you and I have this different excitement for, for all kinds of movies that like, when it happens, we just know it, you know, it, regardless yeah. of genre, when it happens to us, we're like, Oh, I, I have to do something about this. And that happened with me with thief right away. I, re- I remember texting you being like, Holy fuck. Like, this is blowing my mind. And, you know, and I was like, I, I want to choose it. I want to do it at some point uh, on the podcast. And finally, here we are. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, finding your niche and getting lost in it, which is, you know, Caleb and Josh love exploring horror in all its facets. And that's awesome. We, you know, I love doing that too, but my niche is kind of all of it. Like I don't really have a niche anymore. It's like open the floodgates. Let me absorb everything. Yeah, it's it's like that 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 question that people ask when they first meet you, and they're like, "What kind of music do you like?" That question always breaks me. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not gonna be like, I listen to a little bit of everything, but that's true. And I hate being that guy who's like, "I'm a I'm a jack of all trades." But it's just that's just I, I don't I don't ever, I'm never like, oh, I have to listen to this because this is what I do. It just happens and it hits me and I'm like, oh, okay, I like this. This is cool. And now I'm going to go down that road for a little bit. You know, all day today, I've been listening to Tangerine Dream, you know, <laughs> and, and now I found all this new cool music from the 60s, 70s and 80s that I'm like, oh my God, this is fucking crazy. Tangerine Dream did the score for Sorcerer. Fuck yeah. Uh, thief and then fucking uh, Risky Business. Come on. Like, 
that's that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of stuff that I want to be fucking impaled by. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, so let's talk. Let's talk about this great cast. Yes. Uh, Oscar nominee James Caan is Frank, a talented safe cracker who believes in nothing, not even himself, which is such a crazy concept to grasp that you have to disassociate yourself with emotion so much. That you don't even give a fuck about you. I mean, Khan played that so well, but like the whole concept is mind boggling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was, I was raised by the state and this is a dead place. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, man. Uh, Khan was nominated for his performance in 1972's The Godfather, Santino Mm -hmm. Corleone. I can't believe it's just one nomination to his name, but what a performance. (laughs) Yeah, Christ almighty. Sonny has always been my favorite character. I remember a long time ago. When did we do The God? We did The Godfather, like, that was one of our like third or fourth weird shit Wednesdays back in the day. Like years ago now, it feels yeah. like, <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it was, and I remember talking about the Godfather and that's the last time I've watched those movies was when we did that. I haven't watched those in a, a long time now. And I think me too. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I, I, I like to do that with those. I like to give them space to breathe. Cause every time you watch, you're like, Oh my God, this is, this really is as good as everybody says, but Sonny's always been my favorite. His, his his death scene is is one of my favorite death scenes of all time. Uh, it's the most like badass. I'm not going out fucking crying. I'm gonna you know blah, 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 you know just his body's just flying around and he's like he doesn't want you know he can't die like Sonny's just the man. And Frank is kind of kind of seems like a you know kind of seems like a version of Sonny right and has this has this way of. Uh, just no bullshit and that might just be james con that's just what how who he is yeah but it's it, it's so cool to see him kind of in 10 in 10 years go from you know sunny to frank and i i just love i love both those characters if if i was an actor and i had those two roles under my belt i would be able to i would be able to die and, and you know be totally okay with it be it if i feel like if sunny had lived and learned a little bit and gotten to kind of, you know, control his, his anger a bit. I can see him turning into Frank. Like it mm-hmm. makes sense. This is, you know, they're connected for sure. You know, they're variants of each other to quote Marvel. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think James Conn was, was that way. And, and, and James Conn, you know, one of my favorite things about it, about him is, you know, I saw the Godfather at, at an early, earlier age, right. Sometime in middle school, I would say. And, I, you know, I love the character, love the character Sonny, but I didn't know a whole lot about James Conn, right? It, it was, it was when I saw Bottle Rocket for the first time by Wes Anderson. And, you know, it, I've been with that movie for a long time. I love that movie. It's my favorite Wes Anderson film. And it's just so fucking, it, it's so simple and so easy to just kind of fall in love with for me. Uh, James Conn in that movie, you know, is like a, is a, like a criminal, right? <laughs> and I would like to think that if Frank, you know, he, he <laughs> Frank, when he walks off into the distance and, and thief later on, you know, 15 years later, a 1996 ball rocket, this is what he stumbled into. <laughs> and, you know, I hadn't seen thief until recently, you know, so I've been with ball rocket for fucking 10 years of my life. I had, I never knew about his role in thief, but I, I, I think those movies are connected too. So <laughs> James Conn is just is is uh has been in my world for longer than I know. For me, it was um 
It was misery. Love misery. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't see that until probably high school. So uh, my mom's a big fan of that movie and she kind of showed me it probably when I was like 15 or so. I don't know. I, I think I, I saw the Godfather and saw misery around the same time. So I was like introduced to James Caan in a like fucking tidal wave. And uh, yeah, just, you know, going head to head with, uh, with Kathy Bates in that movie. That's, that's a hell of a performance and a hell of a role They have to be, you know, tough, but also fucking terrified the entire time while also scheming and just, you can see it all just in his head, the, you know, working out the escape, the plan. How do I get out of here? Uh, he's, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a legend at this point. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, I'd be silly if I didn't mention rollerball. Uh, rollerball. I saw rollerball far too young. Rollerball is like viciously violent and nasty and wild, super seventies. And that's one of those movies. I probably saw that when I was like, just too young. I, I, Definitely wasn't like allowed to see it as a kid, I, but I found, you know, I just found it and watched it with my older brother and we both were like, whoa, this is fucking nuts, you know, and this, this Sonny Corleone guy is not fucking around, you know, and um, his, his 70s to, I would say from Godfather to Misery, that run, you know, is just really unique and really, really, really powerful. And I, I highly suggest people just kind of, even if you've seen his work, just revisit it again. Give him the, his. I feel like he doesn't get the right amount of appreciation because he is a kind of a wild guy. He's he famously was kind of hard to deal with and liked to like to you know indulge in the finer things on <laughs> finer things on on our planet Earth and like to party a lot. And uh, in fact, during Thief, when they were filming Thief, you know, fucking James Belushi's in it, right? So. Uh, they would hang out, you know, they're in Chicago and they would hang out at bars and stuff. And apparently like would just get completely, you know, like far too rowdy. And Michael Mann is this guy who's like fucking 12 hour days, you know, we're just going to work, 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 work. And, and these guys were like, nah, I mean, we want to, we want to enjoy ourselves. And I think they enjoyed themselves a little too much here and there uh, while filming thief. (laughs) I mean, you know, if John Belushi shows up to set and is like, "Hey, I'm going to take everybody to my club," oh, he did. Know yeah. that? Yeah, he did. What was it called? Uh, his cl- his little bar club in Chicago. Um, it was like the Blues Brothers bar or something like that. Yes. Yeah. 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 I yeah. There. There's like it's Blues Brothers something bar. Uh, and yeah, was, yeah, that's where they would go hang out and you know fucking do cocaine and drink and just get get rowdy and. What the fuck? You know, this is James. This is James. This is James Belushi's proper debut in, in film. So yeah, uh, and yeah, he, his his brother came out, and uh, you know, of course, John Belushi's just one of the funniest guys to ever live. And imagining these guys hanging out together, him and him and James Conn is just like, whoa! I don't know if I want to be in the middle of that. I wonder <laughs> if they like tried to out coke one another or something. I feel like, uh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to put money on that. I honestly couldn't tell you who could do who could win. No, that and one. I would I wouldn't want to be around it. You know, they're probably fucking annoying as hell. Wouldn't shut up. And you know, Michael Mann's like, uh, guys. Because Michael Mann at this time is like in like in his late 30s when when this movie's made. And he's, you know, he's new to new to filmmaking, but he had already done some TV work and did the Jericho Mile and has a vision of his own. I'm sure he was like, guys, let's fucking Let's get on board. You know, he's not just some 20 year old guy who has zero control, you know? Yeah. He's the, 
you know, the homeroom teacher who's got to calm down this rowdy ass class. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's like a fucking Ned Schneebly in School of Rock, the substitute teacher who comes in and is like, oh, well, now we can party. <laughs> I was thinking of Mr. Hand in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. He has a tough job. Jesus. <laughs> There's no birthday party in here. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, I think most people these days recognize James Conn from Elf. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, as 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 Will Ferrell's dad, which is yeah. what what a pair. Yeah. I remember seeing uh something, I don't remember who was talking about it. Um, but I guess James Conn was fairly intimidated on that set as Will Ferrell is a force to be reckoned with, very much just kind of a wave of comedy, doesn't usually stick to the script, makes up his own shit, improvises as he goes along. And James Conn was like, How do I I you know, I'm I'm being outacted here. Like, what do I do? And John Favreau had to go like bring up, you know, say like, "You're Sonny Corleone," like put him in check. <laughs> and James Conn was like, "I got it." And after that, all was good. <laughs> Fucking thirty years later, after doing Sonny, and John's like, "Look, man, this is the reason I got you is to fucking calm this Will Ferrell guy down." <laughs> yeah, that's so that's so perfect. And to think that that's the guy who is the genius behind really starting the vision for Marvel and Star Wars Mandalorian and all this shit. <laughs> Fucking a, <laughs> you give a nerd a camera and $200 million. You're going to get a good movie. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think, uh, yeah, I think John, John more than more than most people in Hollywood just, just gets what people like. He just gets it. He's like, Hey, you don't have to overcomplicate things. You don't have to, you also don't have to simplify things, you know, there's, there's a, there's a middle, there's a middle ground where people will appreciate what you're doing. And they've been doing that for fucking 14 years now since Iron Man won. So hats off to him. Damn right. Props. Next up Oscar nominee Tuesday Weld plays Jesse Frank's wife. Yes. The yes. oddest first date I've ever seen in a movie. Just get the yeah. fucking car. <laughs> We're good. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> this meant a lot to you we're doing this <laughs> I'm straight as an arrow <laughs> uh, what's his deal what's his fucking deal you know they, they they do they don't you know I love this movie with all my heart but it's got it's, it's got its problems it's got its issues with like just the plot and like wait wait a minute what who does this on a first date and it's very hard to tell that they've known each other like they've seen each other uh, for a few months now, like he's seen her across the room at the restaurant at the at the jazz club, and he's like, "Wait a minute, I you know, I've got my eye on this girl." But for him to just come out guns ablazing like this, like let's fucking when he says, "Let's get on with this big romance," like what are you talking about? <laughs> so, I, love she, I love it. I love it though. She's like, "Are you? Do you think I've been waiting for you?" And he's like, "Yeah." yeah. Like it's never even crossed his mind that like she's not into him. <laughs> like this is. It's obvious what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday, Tuesday on the, Weld. On the first date, he's like, let me tell you about the time I killed a man in prison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, I, I was in Bogota. You know, I didn't have a visa. You know, just fucking like they're both so fucked. Like, it's, it makes yeah. sense. But she's she's amazing in this movie. She's she's incredible. And I really if I were to nominate one person, it would be her for best supporting actress. She is fucking good in this movie. The diner scene is, is unreal, you know? And I think a lot of people see it as the best scene of the movie where it's just, 
this incredible dialogue, really well shot. And, you know, the diner looks so authentic. It's, it's so, it's so something that we've all kind of been to before and had one of those late nights where you're talking to somebody that you either care about or want to care about deeply. And, uh, she just goes toe to toe with him like nobody's business. And I love that. I, lo- I love how, how Jimmy Khan is kind of explaining his whole character's background and, and like what his DNA is and what he means. And, uh, and she kind of goes back at him. It's really, really cool. And then the, and then the scene at the end when he's like, you need to fucking get in this guy and you need to go. And she just, the way she kind of quivers at him, like, like she knows there's no way to change his mind. It's just incredible acting, incredible performing. She's Tuesday Weld. Great. I wish she would have had a different career. She just got lost in the 90s. Like, she just got lost. Yeah. She was. She did get an Oscar nomination for her performance in 1977's Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Uh, she was also in Falling Down, Once Upon yeah. a Time in America, and uh, Feeling Minnesota, among others. But yeah, you're right. She just kind of got lost. But uh, I've, I've got to sit down and just watch Once Upon a Time in America. It's a mammoth film, but I feel like it'll be worth it. It is worth it. Yeah, you'd love that one. That that's that, okay. That's that's kind of what I'm talking about when I was talking about earlier in the show about the '80s. That's kind of the the '80s I'm looking for, you know. And that's one of those movies that that's very worth it. 1984, just awesome, awesome movie. I saw I saw that. Got to give a lot of credit to my brother on this episode. A lot of the like, a lot of this 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 world that we're talking about, you know the some of the gangster stuff, some of the, you know, the, the James Conn roles, all that, all that, all that jazz is really uh, is because of him. And because my brother, Jeremy, who just kind of showed me random shit. And once upon a time in America is one of those movies. Being the oldest and of my cousins and having no, no siblings. I just been on my own for finding this shit since day you're, one. You're, Although I did have my family. Yeah. But, but you're, you're definitely, yeah. In a place of like, uh, uh, my, my, my oldest brother talks about that a lot. You, you've met him, Adam. He's like, he's like, it's weird because he, 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 he's like sometimes with certain things, you know, me and him bond over sports, you know, music, basketball, uh, movies, you know, all kinds of different things. And, uh, we're very, very close. Me and my three brothers are very close and he's, he's four years. Yeah. Four years older than me. And he's always been kind of like, I feel like I passed down some of these passions to, to you but you've surpassed me in some ways because, because I got to take from him like, Oh, here's, you know, here's, here's these different movies and documentaries that he likes that I, I now like, but then I've also gone out on my own and found my own things like thief. And then he's like, wait, what's thief, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? And he's the older, he's the older one. So it's kind of like, he's at an advantage where he gets to be the trailblazer of the people behind him. But you're also like, fuck these people behind me. I don't know what they're checking out. <laughs> you know? I don't know what it is. And I've always wondered what it's like to be in that role. And I know you've been in that role your whole life where it's like, it's either from one of your parents or your grandparents, or it's from you. And there's, yeah. there's like, there, there's pride in that, man. You know, take pride in that where it's like some of the things that you've found are, are literally because you've taken that risk of like, I think I'm going to like this. And then it either pays off or it doesn't. Well, and I've got you guys to kind of, then say like, hey, you should check this out or we should do this on the show. So that's like the next step for me is getting to kind of help you guys find more cool shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. My favorite thing about doing this is, of course, uh, of course, talking about movies is great no matter what, if I love it or, or, or if I don't. Whether I'm talking about Shrek or 
or the master. I don't care. It's great. But one of my favorite things is what you and I are in the middle of right now. This week uh, on Sunday, we're doing the Day for Night episode, uh, Francois Truffaut, and neither of us had seen any of his work. And so we're kind of introducing ourselves at the same time. And we both watched, uh, for prep work, we watched the 400 Blows. And we both were like, holy shit, that was really good. And so we kind of found that at the same time because of the same reason. And then we'll talk about it on Sunday. And that's, that's cool as hell because we're pushing each other all in fun, all in learning. Yeah. And I love when, you know, I mean, we you know, you're on Oscar Sunday most of the time. I'm on, you know, the rest of this stuff and our everything. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so it is cool when we do find an opportunity for our journeys to parallel to collide. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's where we're at with Truffaut right now. And I, I'm really enjoying that. Yeah. Yeah. It's either that, or like, I remember when you kind of opened the John Carpenter door for me and you were like, <laughs> ah, young Padawan, you know? Yes. And then it was really cool to see you finish off Wes Anderson's filmography and you finish off Paul Thomas Anderson's filmography. Cause those are my, those are my people. And it's just fun. It's fun, like meeting each other at those places, like meeting halfway sort of thing. Yeah, it's great. I give you stuff, you give me stuff. And yeah. we talk about it. That's the show. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what? You know what? We could go on this forever. But uh, uh, one last thing before we get to either more Tuesday Weld or Willie Nelson. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the first things you gave me, like you've let me borrow a, a physical copy was, was this movie called Owning Mahoney. Uh, starring, starring Philip Sumer Hoffman. I think it's from 2003. Yeah. And, it, it, and, it, and I was just like, yeah, this guy's going to be a friend for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> the movie fucking rules. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fantastic. Good times. Uh, next up is SNL alum Jim Belushi, who okay. plays Barry, Frank's trusted partner. Jim Belushi is the younger brother of comedy legend John Belushi and was part of the Saturday Night Live cast from 1983 to 1985. He's best known for his sitcom, According to Jim, which ran for eight seasons from 2001 to 2009. Some of his films include Canine, Red Heat, Jingle All the Way, and Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, Jim Belushi, I, such a, an odd career trajectory. A lot of people argue, like, had his brother not died, would Jim have had, gotten that push? I don't know. I don't want to speculate on that. Uh, but he was really good in this. I was kind of shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is great and has just one of the most awful and brutal deaths, like sending offs when he gets thrown into that vat of acid. Uh, <laughs> Christ, what a rough go. Uh, I remember my favorite thing he's done is is uh, is he plays um, – uh, the Mitchum brothers in Twin Peaks, the, yeah. the return. Uh, Bradley Mitchum is his name in that. And he, he's so good because he's like a voice of reason for the audience because you're like, what is fucking happening? And he's kind of thinking that. He's like, what? I just had orange juice by my hand and now it's gone. You know, he's just kind of has this kind of like, what? This what attitude? And I, and I really dig it. He's, he's in a lot of those episodes and he's really good. Uh, in that, yeah, I, I also don't like to speculate about the stuff with his brother, you know, I, you know, rest in peace to him. He was a fucking titan of comedy and an absolute whirlwind that didn't know how to didn't know how to not uh, entertain and perform. And and that was part of his downfall. And yeah, he's just he's incredible. But I, 
I don't know. Like you said, he's really good in Thief. He's got some traps. He he can hang. He's hanging with Jimmy Khan a few times in this. And one of my fa- <laughs> one of my favorite things he does is uh, <laughs> in Thief, which I've just always been like, holy shit. Uh, he when 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 they get the the final job done, and they're on the beach, and he's like, come on into the water. It feels great, you know. And James Khan's like. Nah, you better enjoy it while you can because, you know, we're going back to Chicago tomorrow to pick up. And <laughs> Belushi just goes over. He's like, all right. You know, high five, like claps, he claps his hands. And, and he runs over and just tackles the shit out of his girlfriend. <laughs> like, completely takes her out. I'm like, what? <laughs> if I were her, I'd be so mad. This is a big, big dude, you know, big burly guy <laughs> who's wearing like a Speedo. He just fucking makes a beeline for her and, and, and fucking tackles her. Like, I think that's so funny. It's one of the random funny things from, from Thief that I can't get enough of. Uh, he's, he's great. I wish we got a little bit more of him in the movie. Um, I like the pace of the movie. I like that it's right at two hours. But I really do think the movie could have been longer. And a little more backstory on, on Belushi's character and Lee Nelson's character. Yeah, I do think, especially Willie Nelson, like, if you're going to put Willie Nelson in your movie, like, why aren't you going to use him? Like, he's, he's kind of just, like, you know, window dressing for the most part. Yeah. Um, but I get that he's supposed to be, you know, the older generation who's, you know, passing on what he knows to, to I almost called him Sonny, to Frank. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I didn't know, you know, Nelson's a pretty good actor. For the brief bit he was in, like, I bought it. Oh yeah, he is a good actor. He's that that initial initial scene when we first see him, and you're like, oh my god, that's that's Willie Nelson. Like that's and and this is 1981, Willie Nelson. You know, this is him and I don't know who who else you would throw into that. You know, like Johnny Cash and Dolly Parton. Like as far as like country goes, like yeah. the biggest star in the world. Like yeah, pretty pretty crazy and. That would be like, who would be the comparison today? If if some huge country like, you know, fucking Taylor Swift or Luke Bryan or one of those fuckers were like in were like in a heist movie. <laughs> On that alone, the movie would make a bunch of the box office, right? Just because, like, oh my god, look at this person. Yeah. And the movie, the movie just didn't really make much money. And I I don't know. I wish Willie Nelson's name was more. Uh, more prevalent in the, uh, the can you know, the advertising for this movie. Oh yeah. So back to Belushi, uh, just real quick. I wanted to shout out jingle all the way, which was okay. the first time I ever saw him. He plays the department store Santa who picks a fight with Arnold at the warehouse. And uh, it, it's such a stupid bit of the movie, but he's, he's so funny as just this like hyper Santa who like, is so into it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, just that's not my bag. Get it? Things like that. It's <laughs> <ridiculous>. <laughs> what a great oh. movie. Yeah. Uh, character actor Robert Prosky plays Leo, the gangster who thinks he owns Frank. Uh, this was his film debut at 50. This was his first movie. Yeah, yeah. State stage actor and good night. Leo, Leo, the mob boss is uh, at first intriguing and then kind of alarming and then straight up scary by the end of the movie. And 
Oh my God. That's that scene when they, when they dump Belushi's body into the, into the, you know, into the vat of acid and his, his little, his little fucking monologue right there to, to Frank. And, and it's just, it's Michael Mann, like straight up definition of Michael Mann in that scene when it's, it's like upside down, you know, we're from Frank's point of view. And so we see Leo from upside down and he's like, I own you, you know, I bought your child. You just, you're just renting him. Like, oh my God, this guy's just, he fucking breathes evil. Uh, he's so good in this movie. I want you until you are burned out or you are dead. Yeah. Like, fuck. But like, Frank should have known this was coming. Like, you don't make short time deals with mob bosses. You, you don't get out. There's no out. That doesn't exist. So it's on Frank. I, 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 I agree. I, I think that initial meeting that they have, when, you know, when like there's the police that are service, uh, doing the sur- surveillance of it and it's in that weird parking lot and just the way he's talking and he, I mean, God damn, Leo, this character is, is, is wild because he dresses like, uh, you know, like you said, he's 50 but he dresses like everybody's 80 year old, you know, grandfather or great uncle, you know, with like, with like, you know, slacks or khakis and a tucked in polo and a, you know, a fucking windbreaker. And the way he says like, I'll be a father to you, you know, and he puts his leg up on, on the, on his car and is like it making it seem like if you don't do this, if you don't do it, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking like kill you. And if you do it, I'm still gonna fucking kill you. you know? It's just it's a kind of lose lose situation. I, I love I love that that scene between them two. And James Kahn has kind of got the kind of got the you know the red flags are going up, but he's he doesn't ever quite act upon it. He just you know and 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 uh, you know I kind of get it because it's like look this guy's basically saying I'll make you a millionaire in four months. Like uh, okay. Um, that would make me think if I were in that profession already and I knew how to do it, I would, I would think about that for a minute. Uh, Cause that's, 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 you know, that's uh, obviously life-changing. And this is a guy who's already been to prison, you know, for like 12 years. So I, I don't know. It's tough. And Leo. Yeah. Leo's this character is amazing. Very scary. One of my favorite villains from the eighties for sure. The whole time you're just waiting for the switch, you know, it's coming, you know, he's the bad guy and you're just waiting for what's going to set him off. Yeah, and when he's finally like, "I'm out," it's like, "Where's the fucking gratitude?" You're just like, "Oh shit, here it is." <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. Good guy. Oh uh, yeah, that shit is so good. And, and you know, he. If you've if you've seen something like Mrs. Doubtfire before this, you're like, "Wait, that that's Prosky." Yeah. <laughs> what? For me, <laughs> it crazy. was it was the Great Outdoors. He's, yeah, he's the yep. dude who runs the camp. <laughs> yeah. Shows up with the sh- with the shotgun lamp. Like, what is that? A lamp? Yeah, but it's loaded. <laughs> Shoots the bear. So good. I couldn't the whole time. I'm thinking like, that's the fuck from Great Outdoors. Like, I can't take him seriously as a mob boss. And then he blows up Belushi, and I'm like, okay, there, I can take him seriously. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, oh, okay, wait. I, you know this this guy this guy is, is is yeah he becomes a straight up like horror villain, and you know I, I love when he says. Uh, you, you got a home, you got a car, you got a business, family, 
and I own the paper on your whole fucking life. You know? <laughs> oh my god! Oh, <laughs> evil, so, so crazy. Or uh, what does he say? He's like uh, talking about that whole that whole paragraph of him him talking right in that scene is so good. But I think I think I like uh, people people will be eating them in their lunch tomorrow in their wimpy burgers. <laughs> God, uh, it like it's so dark. It makes me laugh because that's my that's like my defense mechanism, you know. Back to work, Frank. You know, <laughs> fuck. Uh, Prosky's the man. He's yeah. he's a total he's a total revelation in the eighties. You know, uh, I love when that happens to guys when they just find some kind of groove and it's like, whoa, what have we been missing for the past thirty years? It's really cool. Yeah, who would he have? You know, if he got in his start in like his twenties, what would he have gone on to do? Uh, who knows, man? I mean, yeah, he he died in the 2000s and, you know, lived until he was like 80 or so, somewhere a little bit before that, I think. And yeah, um, yeah, you just wonder. He was able to do so much in about 25 years <laughs> and is, and is has, you know, he's like an icon. And with Thief, I think people who have seen Thief that like Leo kind of steals the show at the end. You're like, oh, my God, this guy is just this is what I remember from the movie. Well, on IMDb, this is his most recognized role. Thief is his yeah. number one uh, known for movie. Let me guess what the others are. Okay, let me bring them up. Little IMDb game, real quick. Um, okay, so Thief is if Thief is one of them, um, Mrs. Doubtfire has to be there. Um, almost there. Uh, okay, Thief. Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, nineteen eighty-seven broadcast news. Broadcast news. It's a great movie. And uh, the last one. Um, let's see. I got to think about this one. What 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 decade is it from? Nineties. Nineties. Robert Prosky. I already, I already said Doubtfire. So, that's, so there's two 90s ones in here. And then there's then there's two 80s. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I don't know if I'm going to know this, but it's going to kill me when I hear it. Uh, is it a movie I like? Or, or have you heard me talk about it before? I don't think we've ever talked about this one, no. Damn it. Yeah, I don't think I know it. I don't think I know it. Dead Man Walking. Ooh, okay. Yeah, movie's, that movie's pretty. It's decent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of his other films include Last Action Hero, Gremlins 2, yeah. The yeah. Natural, and Christine. He's the like angry old man who sells Arnie the car. Yes, I, I thought about guessing The Natural because, God, he's fucking amazing in The Natural. I, God, I love that movie. Barry Levinson, for God bless. It's one of my favorite sports movies. And he is pure evil in The Natural. Uh, Prosky. Mm. Same, kind of, same kind of thing as Thief, where it's just like, dude, this guy sucks. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you got to see that. I think he's also in another Michael Mann movie, if I'm not mistaken, The Keep. Pretty sure he's in that one too, uh, which was like right after Thief, like 1982 yep. or 1983. Yeah, yep, he's in yeah, the he's, Keep. Yeah, he's fucking awesome. This guy rules. The Keep. What's this about? Nazis it's are like to turn to a Jewish historian for help in battling the ancient demon they have inadvertently freed from its prison. Are you fucking kidding me? It's not good. It's not good. That sounds good. 
<laughs> it's it's not though. It's not. It's like miss. I don't know. It's it's misguided in some way. Uh-huh. I, I mean, you you should watch it. It's only like an hour and a half. It's one of his shorter movies, but it's probably the worst Michael Mann movie I've seen. Which I think I've seen them all. So yeah, I think. It, I don't think it's very good. Scott Glenn, Ian McKellen, Jurgen Prochnow, yeah. Gabriel Byrne. What what happened? Robert Prosky. Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh my yeah. God! What a waste. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I remember thinking that. I remember thinking like, "Fuck is this? Like, why is this not amazing?" You know. <laughs> we should do it. We should do it though. Just like go into it. You should go into it blind and just watch it one day for Filmgasm, and we'll just fucking talk about it anyway. No complaints here. I, yeah. I want to see how that concept gets fucked up. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, it's the one that has like the lowest scores out of all of his movies. Uh, Prosky died in 2008, 77 years old from heart surgery complications. Okay, yeah, uh, talk. But he he is an unsung character actor who I think you know deserves to be a name. Yeah, I agree. Uh, finally, we already touched on him, but let's go in deep. Country music star and American icon Willie Nelson plays Okla, Frank's dying yes. mentor. And if you don't know who Willie Nelson is, I don't know what you've been doing with your life. I don't know what rock you were born under, but do some research. Yeah, one of my favorite albums of all time is Shotgun Willie uh, by Willie Nelson. It's just pure fucking 70s country. And, you know, if you met me, you'd probably think I hate country music, but I really like it. I really like old country. I think it's, I think it's a wonderful wonderful genre that's extremely rich and has just got some of the best storytelling and willie nelson is just straight up at the forefront of that he's so kick-ass you know roll me up and smoke me when i'm gone you know like he's just he's just the he's just the man i love that guy uh a a, a texas a texas legend i would say yeah 100 percent, and an oscar nominee didn't know that yeah for um uh 1980 um Fucking uh, on the road again. Uh, yeah. Best original song. Honeysuckle Rose. I had no idea on the road again came from a movie. Yeah, on the road again. One of his biggest songs. Can't wait to get on the road again. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, beautiful. Uh, he's done a lot of film cameos over the years, including Austin Powers Two, The Dukes of Hazard, Half Baked, Wag the Dog, and an episode of Monk where he was accused of murder. Yeah, there you go, Willie. Yeah, yeah. Willie Nelson, and still, still fucking kicking it he's like 90 uh just going for it he still performs every now and again in texas and christ almighty you know this is a guy i've had a poster of on my wall for fucking half my life yeah he's the man yeah my i think my favorite willie song is probably his cover of uh midnight rider oh yeah great Love stuff that. and then the cover yeah. he did of uh cold plays the scientist fucking beautiful yeah, he's he's just he's just a musician's musician's musician. Uh, yeah, uh, I I love that guy. My favorite song by him is is Whiskey River for sure. I love that song. It's you know he was you know still still a pothead Willie Nelson, but he's always you know struggled with the, the substances and uh, you know likes to sing about them. So it's cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I think if Willie gave up weed, he'd be dead tomorrow. So I think keep smoking, Willie. <laughs> yeah, never stop. I love when other artists try to smoke with him and they just get fucking put to sleep, you know. And he, yeah, you just can't do it. You can't do it. No one's gonna outsmoke Willie Nelson. Are you kidding me? To have the no. arrogance to think you even could. <laughs> yeah, I, would you? Would you rather try to outsmoke Willie Nelson or outcoke James Con? I well, at least 
trying to outsmoke Willie Nelson won't kill me. <laughs> okay. How about if you know you're not going to die? Yeah. If I just had an unlimited ability to just coke myself up knowing I could never die, I, I would want to know what the limit is. Like, what would happen yeah, me to too. me? Would I travel back in time? Like, what would happen? Me too. And I think, I think uh, James Kahn, you know, is going to go, is, is bound to go on some rants that are just going to be like, what is this? You know, yeah. the guy's, the guy's fucking bonkers. Uh, We're going to go yeah. and destroy something for sure. Yeah, yeah, and that, that might be kind of fun for a night. Whereas Willie Nelson, you're probably just gonna like listen to him strum his guitar because he's totally fine, and you're like, I am high as shit. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. I need water. <laughs> I'll convince myself I can play like the clarinet or some shit and just try to like be his accompaniment and just fuck yeah. his up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Shout out to Willie. So is that is that our last cast member we're talking about? Yes, it is. Yes, okay, it is. okay, real quick be, be, before we move on. The, the last guy I want to just mention is Dennis Farina. Uh, Dennis Farina plays one of the henchmen. Uh, he, he dies at the end of the movie. And Dennis Farina, when I was like, I don't know, 12 or 13, I saw this movie called Stealing Harvard. It's a comedy with Tom Green and Jason Lee. Uh, yeah, yeah, fucking A. Great, great, great movie. And Jason Lee is a... Uh, 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 I'm trying to remember exactly what the plot is. Jason Lee's niece is trying to get into Harvard. And then he's like, well, I can't afford it. So I got to like steal money to, to get into it or whatever. Uh, and Dennis Farina is his, yeah, it's, is his father-in-law in the movie. Uh, Jason Lee, which is just fantastic. And Dennis Farina has a few, few moments in that movie where <laughs> it, it's like it just comedic gold and also richard jenkins is in it he plays the judge uh, at the end of the movie. have you seen stealing harvard i have not oh uh, yeah rich yeah it's fucking great <laughs> and, and dennis farina has a couple a couple of lines that i would say kind of kind of instilled in me like a different sort of comedy uh, different different way for me to laugh. I was so used to the slapstick, Dumb and Dumber, Tommy Boy, that that '90s run that's just like silly as shit. Uh, and Dennis Farina comes into this movie, stealing Harvard. He he brings a whole different uh, like gravitas to it to comedy that I didn't really know existed. And I've always kind of credited him as my favorite kind of supporting comedic guy, you know, in, in a specific movie. I mean, Chris Penn is in this movie. Uh, Leslie Mann is the one that Jason Lee is, is, is with. It's, it's bonkers. The cast is insane. It's a ridiculous movie. Seymour Castle is in it. John C. McGinley is in it. it it's, it's incredible. The cast is fucking nuts. But again, Farina is who sticks out in that movie. And I didn't know who he was, you know, as a kid. I was just like, that guy's funny as shit. He, uh, he has a dog named Rex in the movie. And Jason Lee's character at one point is He's trying to go to his house without being seen, going to Dennis Farina's house. And he's like, where were you last night, John? Dennis Farina, he's like, where were you? And he's like, oh, I don't know. You know, just watching TV. And Dennis Farina's like, I saw you last night. Rex saw you. <laughs> I always thought that was so funny. And, and it's one of those things where when you see him again later on and you realize, oh, this is like a, this is a well-known guy, you know, a guy who's, who's done a lot of really cool movies and been a lot of roles. It's always funny to pinpoint that place 
that you saw them for the first time and it's fucking stealing Harvard. You know, <laughs> I, I actually want to do this movie on filmgasm at some point. Cause I think it's such a random, weird comedic gem from the early two thousands. And I'd love to show it to you. It is, it is ridiculous. I'll take you up on that. Yeah. Let's, let's do it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis Farina. Yeah. He was, uh, like the most, maybe the most Chicago guy that ever existed. Yeah. Um, my intro to him was Snatch. <laughs> okay, see that that was the movie I saw later on where I was like, wait a minute, this that's the guy from Stealing Harvard, and it, and in fact, it should be the other way around. <laughs> it's, it should it should be I'm watching him in Snatch. He's amazing in Snatch. Oh, that's that random guy I saw in fucking Stealing Harvard. You know, not that's the guy from Ste- like Stealing Harvard is the mecca of, <laughs> of, of all the, of all these people. Like, no, it's just not the case. <laughs> I just, I love him as the American who doesn't quite understand English culture and is just constantly pissed off that he has to try. And at the point yes. where he's just like done, you know, sit out and shut up, you big bald fuck. Like I never don't laugh at that line. <laughs> me too. Me too. He, he, he has an abruptness about him that it goes unmatched. And I think that's like you said, uh, it goes along with that kind of Chicago that, that fucking, you know, uh, that fucking, I don't know what the word is, you know, that grit that they have and he carries it with him. Rest in peace. God. I remember when I heard that he, he passed away and I was like, damn, that sucks. That guy just, just knows how to make me laugh. Like without, without even fucking trying. There was a, a scene in a family guy episode where Peter went to, um chicago and he went to a museum and he did the audio guided tour and it was dennis farina and he was actually (laughs) dennis farina doing the voice and like he's eating like sausage during it and you can hear him just go like ah that's good sausage like while he's doing the tour (laughs) yeah yeah check this out this painting here we don't really know what this is but it's cool and that like just ridiculous (laughs) shit great oh my god (laughs) sausage (laughs) jesus man love that guy yeah yeah this is my this is my favorite thing about podcasting is talking about these random heroes like this that just mean a lot without uh being on the spotlight all the time yeah character actors are the reason i keep watching movies those guys the work they put in like look just constantly disappearing into roles not giving a fuck about the spotlight just doing the work those are the guys those are the people who they're the backbone of, of filmmaking yeah I agree. I agree. Uh, Thief has an IMDb score of 7.4. Rotten Tomatoes score of 94%. It did okay at the box office, grossing $11.5 million on a budget of $5.5 million. So not amazing, but it made its money back. Yeah. It was, it was selected for the Criterion Collection in 2014 and is available to stream for free on Tubi if you want to watch it for yourself. Uh, so let's discuss this film. Uh, we kind of already been doing that. My my highlights we've already covered. So let's just dig through this thing <laughs> off the cuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah we definitely talked about just kind of briefly about a lot of different stuff. So I'll ask you. You know, uh, like when it first started. You know, we're seeing them do a job and it starts off kind of slow, and that's where you have a lot of Tangerine Dream, and you're like, okay, all right, it's raining. They're robbing something. What's going on? Were you kind of uh, locked in at that point, or did it take a minute for for you to kind of understand what 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 all is at stake here not gonna lie it did it took a minute at first i was like this is uh, a bit slow and i'm like no no please like it please like it man like austin what have you done to me i was convincing myself like you please don't like enjoy this (laughs) and then (laughs) (laughs) um 
what got me was the diner scene where he takes out uh, Jesse and is like, look, I was in prison for 10 years. You can't have kids, but we're going to, we can make this work. <laughs> His dedication yeah. to being like, I need to be happy. <laughs> and you're it. It's not the best, you know, line, but it worked for her. Uh, but at that point I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be good. And then just meeting with Leo and figuring out like, oh, this guy's going to fuck him over hard. And at that point I was invested. Yeah. Yeah. At that point it, it becomes an hour and a half movie about one heist, you know, yeah. at that point, after the, after the diner, after he meets with Leo in the parking lot and, and the diner, yeah, the diner scene. I mean, we could go on and on. It is unreal what what's happening in that scene the 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 writing is exquisite the acting from both of them from from jimmy and tuesday is just is just wonderful and i think it might be the best moment of the movie and it's the it like you said it's where the movie turns and makes its difference and becomes very very interesting but from then on you know we're seeing him go around uh you know he's like oh it's gonna take you know four to six weeks to properly do this they go to Los Angeles, they stand on top of the roof and, you know, then they go back and they start, they start building these tools so that they can break into this fucking English made safe, you know, and all that stuff is fascinating to me. That, 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 that middle, like 45 minutes before they actually do the heist where they're just kind of getting everything. And then uh, uh, Frank gets the big house with, with Jesse and they go to the, they go to the adoption agency and they turn him down and he's like, he fucking freaks out and he's like i was state raised you know like you this didn't even ask us what kind of place you didn't even ask us what people what kind of people we are like you just looked yeah. at my thing and said no oh jesse's like don't make a scene and he's like you you don't even care yeah. what kind of parents we'd be clearly yeah. stating like you're probably not gonna be a great do it yeah. like making this scene is making their point for them yeah yeah and the lady's like you need to step out of my office and he's like you probably grew up in the suburbs huh and she's like yes i did and he's like right right <laughs> jimmy khan is is on is on 11 at that uh, in that scene and and it's great it's all that stuff in between is great and then and then you know prosky uh leo gets into him more by by giving getting him the kid that scene where Leo's like, what kind of kid do you want? Reminded me so much of Lebowski where Walter's like, I can get you a toe. Like, yeah. You want a kid? I can get you a kid. Believe me, there are ways, Frank. You don't want to know about him. Believe me. I get you a kid by three o'clock this afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's so good. That, that middle that middle stuff is is some of my favorite shit I've, uh, I've seen in a movie where they fit so much in uh, and simplify it is so well, you know? Uh, this this happens. This happens. This happens. It's episodic. I've heard many people say like, "Oh, they should remake Thief into like a eight part series on Netflix." And like, I, I don't want that because I love the movie, but it would be pretty cool because you could you could really dig into these little things. You know, you could have a whole episode about the adoption agency. You could have a whole episode about them going to Los Angeles for the first time. And I, I kind of like that, but it needs to be in the. It needs to be Michael Mann. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If Michael Mann returns and James Caan plays Leo, I'm in. Mm. James Caan plays Leo. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I can dig that. <laughs> I can. I can. Uh, yeah. I. Yeah. I don't want it to happen, but I, I hear the argument, and it makes sense because there's so much that they could kind of go a little bit more into. That's fascinating. I would love an episode about 
why does he trust Belushi so much? You're like, why are they so tight? It's like, obviously they've done a lot of, a lot of jobs together, but like, what is it about him specifically? That's like, I, I trust this guy going in anywhere to break alarms, to do the job, right. To keep his mouth shut, uh, to never get me into trouble. Like I, I, I love that, that part of their friendship and their, their kind of a uh, partnership as workers. Really, really cool. And, and, and yeah, man, I, I think you kind of find out early on if this movie's for you or not, but I, I, I don't see how it couldn't be, uh, <laughs> how it couldn't be after, you know, post diner, post Leo, it just gets into the, it gets into the finer things about, about being a, being a thief and doing this for, for a livelihood. So many movies, so many heist movies skip over that shit and they fucking glamorize it and make it look like this thing. That's just like easy to do with this, with J- Jimmy Kahn's performance as Frank, they really make it, they kind of humanize it and make it this thing that I respect. I respect, but I also, I respect the, the money it gives them, but I also respect the attention to detail that they have to have. That's one of my favorite things about Thief. I mean, I love heist movies, but Thief is kind of in a class of its own because of that that attention to detail behind Frank's character. Well, just like the structure of what they have to do to break into this safe, the work they have to put into, like getting the weld guy to make this unique giant sparkler that burns through a steel door. And like actually doing that shit, that was amazing. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was like, these safes are, are anything but safe. These are like, it seems like if you know how to do it, this is so fucking easy. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, if you, if you have been in this field long enough and you have the right contacts, you can, you can do this for a living. Like you can really do this. And part of me wants to know what's happening now with these criminals in 2021, 2022. Cause it's obviously different now than it was yeah. 40, 40 years ago. Part of me wants to know, Man, like with all the new technology and, and now now you're not having these conversations on top of a fucking roof with Leo and Frank. You're having these kind of like encrypted fucking text message conversations between two people. I want to know how all that works. Like I would love to see not Thief 2 where like maybe his son is now like fucking, you know, I'm robbing shit. But I would love to see a movie kind of like Thief in the flesh today. Just kind of like, how does it work now? Because this stuff is fascinating in this movie. That welder, when he's like, man, it's a tough safe, you know, like, <laughs> and he's like, no, I, but I got, he's like Lucius Fox. He's like, no, I got it though. Like, I fucking got it. Like, I, I've got the tools for it. I can make it happen. Just give me some time and give me some money and we'll get it done. In terms of like, you know, safe cracking now, I know it's not, it's not the same guys because these guys, if movies have taught me anything, it's that these guys fear change so hard. Yes. And having to figure your way through, a, like, through new, you know, to hack computers and figure out software to get behind the firewall, they wouldn't know what the fuck to do. And I just, maybe these are the guys, you know, they became Leo, you know, uh, mm. delegating. Like, you you do this, you do that, I get my cut off the, you know, off the, off the end. That's probably what they're doing. Um, but yeah, Robin shit has never been harder. I imagine <laughs> now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, after years of years of, uh, heist movies coming out, they're like, all right, you know, they fucking know our tricks, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I also know that Michael Mann did his 
did his research and worked with people. Actually, the guy, uh, you know, the scene when uh, uh, fucking Jimmy uh, Frank gets kind of like the shakedown by the police and gets the shit kicked out of him. That head cop. Yeah. Was a criminal. Yeah. He's their consultant. Yeah. 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 And he used to rob shit and like this, this is what he does, you know? So it's really cool that Michael Mann kind of does, does that stuff. And it seems like he does that for every one of his movies where he's like, I have to know who my characters are and what I'm, what I'm directing. Uh, It's he's similar to uh, what's his fucking name? Uh, Your man from uh, uh, Mangold, James Mangold for Ford vs. Ferrari. They they do they do that extra research that's like I'm 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 I don't know about this, but I'm gonna find out before I make the movie about it. <laughs> I don't know why every director doesn't do that. Like, what, wouldn't you want your product to be as realistic and close to the truth as possible if you're gonna go in that direction? Like, I just it blows my mind. There's some people who just don't bother to do the research and just wing it. Like, I think I understand how this works, so we're good. Like, yeah, they either do that, they either just like whatever, and we'll just fucking glamorize everything and make it make it super Hollywood, or you know, and I, I'll admit this, you know, or they'll be like Paul Thomas Anderson and they'll stick to their fucking lane. They'll stick to their lane. They'll stick to what they know. They'll stick to what what's interesting to them, and that's that. Whereas there's other there's other directors, you know, Michael Mann, I think Mangold. There's there's more that I'm not naming, but those guys will go out of their comfort zone to learn about something and then fucking, you know, craft a movie about it. I have a tremendous amount of respect for that. I think that's kind of what I would want to do. If I can learn about, you know, something I don't know is I've always been really interested in the culture of uh, like uh, the, the magic, the magic card games, you know, and I've always wanted to like, what if I just dove into it and made a documentary about it? You know, I think that's more interesting than me making a movie about basketball, which I've always known about and I've always cared about. It's cool to kind of take something and learn from the people that are actually in it and then, and then, you know, pay respect to them. It's cool. Yeah. Learning is fun. <laughs> yes. Learn, learning and then providing a sort of a, you know, a film is fucking, it's concrete, you know, you're providing some kind of history to that thing. Like Ford vs. Ferrari is a piece of like fucking automobile history at this point. And Thief to me is kind of a piece of, of criminal, you know, uh, you know, fucking, you know, frick, breaking safes and safe crackers, those kind of people. It's like an ode to them in a way. I think that's really cool. I think Ali is like, an ode, obviously, to Muhammad Ali and boxing. Uh, the Insider is an ode to f- people who report and write legit stuff and try to be legit journalists. I love that about about his movies and these kinds of films. It's so cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love the bits with the cops constantly oh, trying man. to get their piece oh, of Frank's action and just how unbelievably not subtle they are. Like, just, hey, you know certain way we do things here you you game or what and he's like get the fuck off my car <laughs> yeah that shit is the best he's like because he because he's you know he has his car dealership and he has his bar that he like launders through and that's so good because he's like if you're not gonna try to fucking buy a car then fucking step off you know <laughs> it's so good and then that 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 same you know that same cop uh he's played by santucci uh 
I can't remember that cop's name. He he's the one that that Michael uh, uh, James Con like hates. You know, he's like fuck this guy. You know, Drizzy, I believe. He, yes, yes. There you go. They hate each other, right? And he's like, I'm gonna fucking get this guy. They have that kind of one on one battle. It's an ego battle. And I love when the the captain comes in and he's like, "You're a tough guy. You probably like going to the ball game. You probably like betting on horses. You know, why can't you just cooperate with us?" And he's like, "Go fuck yourself." <laughs> yeah. I, I I love that stuff. I love. I, I I do think it's smart that the cops don't overcome this movie. That it's more it's more about Frank and Leo than it is about Frank and the cops. And I think that's a, that's a fine line that Michael Mann straddles but it's just enough you know you get a, you get enough of both worlds that he's kind of fucking with frank's right in the middle of it yeah and he doesn't let anything break him later on you know when leo's like everybody around here if you want something done you got to bribe the, you know you got to give the cops their peace but not you huh like what makes you yeah. so special like ah, so much <laughs> i'm i'm frank yeah i'm fucking frank yeah god it's so good in that scene when he ditches ditches the cops oh I mean, that's filmmaking right there. Uh, it's like a it's like a five to ten minute scene of you know two cop cars following him, and then my favorite piece of that that bit is is when the camera goes onto the bus that's going to Iowa to Des Moines, Iowa, and it just pans up into the sky, and you're like, he got away, he fucking got away, <laughs> like oh my god, Frank did it, he he fucking got away from those bastards, and. And it's, it's, it's key. It's obviously key. And they cut straight from that. They cut straight to the heist. And then after, you know, the heist, I love that he goes after just like diamonds, just diamonds and cash, like no, nothing else. Like he doesn't try to stray outside his zone. He knows how to spot and sell diamonds. So he sells diamonds. Um, And then when he gets after the heist, which is great, just that giant ass sparkler blowing up that door. Everyone's in like a welding suit. Just, yeah isn't that a gorgeous scene though uh our, the first time i watched it i was like wait they're gonna just do they're just gonna show us this this whole this whole process of them you know belushi lights it uh you know has his mask on or whatever and then covers james cons covers frank's face with it because he's holding it from the back and you know this thing is huge huge like it's uh, it's like a i think at one point they say it's 2000 it's like i can't remember what the word is for for uh for how like uh powerful it is with the you know the sparks coming out but it's some some crazy thing i looked it up earlier and i was like i don't even know what the fuck this means but it's this insanely powerful piece of metal that's shooting out shooting out this stuff you know and you're like oh my god these guys are just going straight through this straight through this safe and those shots of it when, when they're, you know, they're from behind are really pretty. And, you know, it, all you can hear is the, you know, it's just fucking, it's going to work. And then the, the camera pans over to inside the safe and you're like, oh my God, this is gorgeous. Cause you can see the whole opening and they're like, there's, there's their score. Like, and that, that, that is incredible. When Belushi's the one who goes in to get the diamonds all into the bag. And you can see him, you know, he's taking box by box and there's, you know, these gorgeous diamonds and he's pouring them in. And then fucking Frank goes over and grabs one of the chairs, sits down and lights his cigarette. And he's like, my job is fucking done here. You know, it's so so beautiful. He's he's so dirty and sweaty. He's like, he just put in work like that was. Yeah, that was work. And he's just like, I'm done for the day. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I actually, and I think you'll love this. I actually think that, you know, the beginning scene in Dark Knight, the heist scene, I, I think they, I, I think Christopher Nolan watched Thief and was like, yeah, I can take that to the next level. Um, ah. That's my favorite scene in Dark Knight, period. Not even close, is that opening like five, 10 minutes. And it's so cool to see the actual process of these guys going and doing this stuff and actually getting the money or getting diamonds. And then one of my favorite bits of thief is, is, is that is him smoking the cigarette Frank. And he's like, starts thinking of something else. And then we realize, Oh no, it's over. Like they got it. They got their score. And now they're on the beach and tangerine dream is at an all time high right there. That's the best piece of the score. Uh, If you want to look it up, just look up Tangerine Dream Beach Scene. And that's the name of the, the, the track uh, of the score. And also you can just find the clip on YouTube of that scene. And it's just gorgeous, breathtaking, Tangerine Dream. And that for a glimpse, for just a moment, Frank's life is like looking up. <laughs> it's like he's, he, he's, he's, got, he's got his girl. He's got his son. He's got his best friend with him and his girlfriend. And they're all hanging out on the beach. You know, he's got his shirt off. The sun's blasting on him he's about to go pick up nearly a million dollars from leo the next day and he's like my life's good man you know i'm gonna i'm gonna get out of here i'm gonna retire and i'm gonna do my thing and little do we know it goes downhill fast what happens leo holds out on him by a lot and tells him yeah gives him like 80 grand and says he invested the rest in some like you know nationwide laundering scheme to like build up his credit with leo or something i love that frank's like from what i what i'm hearing is you have my money (laughs) like just no like zero fucks given he's like you don't steal from frank you give me my money and yeah yeah leo's just like the fuck's matter with you where's where's your gratitude what what you know what i've done for you he turns it on him like you know you should be thanking me and it just goes out of it two alphas biting at one another just gets out of hand so quickly yeah, and, and, and Frank is the one who gives Leo the ultimatum. He says, you have 24 hours to give me my fucking money or you'll be wearing your ass for a hat. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, Frank, stop, dude. Stop, stop, stop. You can clearly tell, you know, Leo's got his henchmen there. They're fucking smoking cigars. They're like, yeah, you know, this is what we do. This is just normal Friday night. And Frank is like, no. Nah. Like, I love when... <laughs> James Conn, just an incredible bit of acting in that, in that scene. I love when Leo is like, yeah, we have another score set up for you, you know, in a few weeks. And he looks behind him. Frank is like, did someone walk in? Are you talking to me? (laughs) What is this? What is this? Like James Conn is just like, fuck off, dude. Like, (laughs) I love that. Like, sounds like you're talking to somebody behind me because you can't be talking to me about this. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. 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 I think, I think the agreed, the agreed amount was $830,000. Yeah. Off of the, the score was over, it was about $4 million worth of diamonds. Uh, but you know, when you steal stuff, you can't sell it for the, the, the face, face value. So you had to cut off the top. And, but what did Leo promise him? Always six figures. Yes. And he fucked him over immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Gave him less than six figures, lied to him. You know, and, and, and then the movie really kicks it into a different gear. Uh, that's when he's like, okay, 
okay, I'm going to go to my dealership. I'm going to, I'm going to find, find my, find my buddy. We're going to, we're going to figure some stuff out. And then, you know, he goes, you know, he's ambushed and Belushi, Belushi fucking gets shot. And it's like, it sucks. He's fucking flies into the van and, you know, there's, there's nothing he can do. And James Conn's been hit over the head with a gun. And that's, that's when we were, the scene we were talking about earlier with, uh, when Leo is standing over him, that's when we get that. That's, that's probably my personal favorite scene in the movie is when Leo, Leo just goes off and, and James Conn has just has to, you know, Frank just has to sit there and take it. And, but you know, there's something left in the tank. Like they should have either killed Frank or put him in handcuffs. Cause he, they're like, you don't let this guy loose. He's, he's got, he's got too much, too, too much, too much balls to, to just let that slide. Yeah. The, a guy who already doesn't like you and the way you do business. There's a beef that already exists there and you're going to kill his best friend and then tell him I own your ass. Leo should have known what, what he was letting out of the cage there. <laughs> yeah. They, they both fuck up a few times in the movie, right? We're just like, they don't know who they're fucking with. They don't quite know who they're fucking with. I love earlier when Frank tells that guy, um, What's his name? Um, uh, Italia. Oh, him, dude. I'm the last oh. man in the world you want to fuck with. <laughs> That's one of my, yeah, I can't believe we didn't mention that. That's one of my favorite scenes when he finds out that his money's been kind of chopped off the top and he goes straight into that plating business and he's like, he tells those two guys, like, get on the fucking ground. <laughs> and that's, uh, there's a few different posters for the movie, but my favorite poster is, is a, it's a picture from that scene when he's holding the gun up and you can slightly see his gold watch and you're like this guy's a badass you know he's he's rich he's not he's not afraid to shoot he's not afraid to kill to get what he what he deserves and what he wants and that scene says it all when that scene i love how he gets in there he tells the the secretary like i have a problem with some plating and he's like oh yeah go ahead and he's like attack he's like well what's this problem with your plating why are you talking to me he's like my name is frank and that was bullshit and I want my money <laughs> just straight up. Like, yeah, no, no pussy footing around. He's like, you are going to give me my money or I'm going to put a bullet in your head right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that guy, that guy gets it later. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so back, back to the ending. Um, yeah. So after, after he's, he's basically, you know, threatened by Leo and he's Leo's like, you are my bitch is basically what he's saying. Frank's like, all right, all right, all right. My best friend's dead. Um, I have to kill these people. <laughs> I, I, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not, do, I'm not doing anything else, but killing these people. And so that's when he goes. And that's to me, Tuesday Weld's best bit from the movie is when she just reacts to him. He's like, give gives her this money. You know, Joe's going to pick you up. I'm, I'm fucking, you know, I'm not telling you what's going on. Don't ask any questions. And she knows, she knows him well enough to be like, I, there's no point in asking because Frank is fucking serious about this. And that shot of him sitting kind of in that lawn chair that like, that like lazy, uh, what do you call those? Those like, I don't even know what you call them. They're those, those fucking things you sit on when you're like sunbathing by the pool. He's sitting in lawn chairs, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like a lawn chair, but it goes all the way back. Right. You know? And he's like, uh, he's fucking sitting and sitting in that with his leather jacket on and his boots and he watches them right off, you know, and he's like, all right, it's time to do what I need to do. Blows his house up. And apparently that cost Michael Mann a shit ton of money because they, they meant for the explosion to be smaller than it was. And it ended up, it ended up actually blowing up a house. 
and they were like, oh shit, we have to pay for the house. Oh fuck. Which is awesome. You're like when you watch it, you're like, oh my God, that's a straight up explosion. And after he leaves, he goes to the dealership, the car dealership blows everything up and he throws away that piece of paper, his like vision board of his life. He fucking throws it out the window and you can tell right there. He's like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And then he blows up the, the bar. And so everything that's basically to his name and that he owns and that is him is a part of him is gone. Except for, except for him. Well, he wipes out anything that Leo owns in his name. Like anything Leo could come back with a paper trail. He makes sure the kid is gone. And then he goes to clean house. And Leo was so unprepared for this very obvious revenge that was going to happen at any moment. Yeah, because you don't, again, you don't let Frank free. Like, you know, you know, like what the Nazis do to, to Jesse Pinkman in Breaking Bad? Like, that's what you do to Frank. You don't fucking mess around with this guy and let him loose and let him do what he needs to do. It's just, it's just silly. It's just poor planning. And so he goes to their house. He goes to Leo's house. He's got his fucking gun, you know, and you're like, oh, here we go. It's about to go down, you know? <laughs> it's awesome. It's such a great last 10 minutes of the movie. And the first guy he attacks is the guy that, that was at the plating, comp- at the plating uh, business. And he smashes the fridge and, you know, he drops and he's got milk in his hand and, <laughs> and he just, you know, fucking hits him over the head and that guy's out for a while. Uh, and then he sees the woman in the living room watching TV and he's like, no, she's a bystander. She's innocent. I'm not, I don't care about anybody but people that deal with Leo, that Leo, that Leo controls. That's who I want to fucking kill right now. And that's what happens. You know, Leo knows what's going on. He drops his newspaper, goes into his room, grabs the gun, stands in the corner, but he is not nearly quick enough for Frank. Frank fucking blasts his ass. Bang, bang, two times. And then, you know, he shoots him in the head. And that's when Leo has one of the funniest uh, fucking like death scenes when he kind of like, oh, <laughs> makes a weird noise after being shot in the head and you're like yeah fuck you dude you you deserve that and then the henchmen come and frank is like I, i'll take you all on you know i'll take you all on i got my bullet, bulletproof vest on i'll fucking blast you fools and it's great that's dennis farina is great in that scene he's 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 coming at him with his gun and it's just a showdown and again tangerine dream playing slow motion it's gorgeous that's my favorite bit of the score when Frank gets up after getting shot in the chest and you're like, oh, he's wearing Kevlar. Thank God. Yeah. He just walks away. He's like, there's no grand gesture. There's no word spoken. He just takes off. Into the night. Yeah. His life is over again. Time to start from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. He's about 40 years old. It's time to just, I don't know. I guess I'll figure it out. Like I always have, you know, and you can interpret that in a lot of ways. Michael Mann filmed a, a version of this where he reunites mm-hmm. with Jesse. No, thanks. I don't nah. want that. I like this ambiguous ending where, you know, who knows what's going to happen? You know, he's going to have to keep dealing with the cops. He's going to have to run away. He's going to have to run to a different country. I don't know. I don't know what Frank does next, but he got his revenge. I think, he, you know, he changes his name to like Paul or something, moves to New York or L.A. or some other major city. And just like makes new connections and starts from scratch. I think that's all he can do. I think he's done that before. Yeah, yeah. I've I've all, I've heard I've heard that. I've heard people say that he becomes a, a a Leo type character where he's like, I'm gonna fucking point out the scores to somebody else. He could. I mean, he killed every. He could take over Leo's network. 
Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I know, man. Yeah, it's it's such a great ending because it leaves it up to interpretation. It leaves it up to just what do you think Frank did? What what kind of guy is Frank? But ultimately, Frank is best off working alone. He's best off operating alone. And he the movie ends with him alone. And it's, you know, it's not super deep. It's not fucking this wild, wild plot that you have to, you know, kind of like do some math to figure out. It's it's a character study and it's a fucking movie that really hones in on what it means to be a, a, a criminal in this kind of, uh, you know, this kind of underground world of Chicago. And it's cool. It's just this movie. I don't know what about it other than these things kind of all hit at the same time for me. That's why I love it so much. You know, I think the score is awesome. The performances, I love the dialogue. The dialogue's aged so well for this movie. I just, I just dig it, man. And I'm really glad we got to talk about it today. Me too, man. I think it's the simplicity. It's just, it's so, it's not basic and it's not like cliched or anything. It's just, it, it hits every point that needs to be hit for this to work. And man knows how to tighten these screws so well, just from the beginning. It's, you know, the pressure and the isolation and the not really defined good, not really defined evil, just people and the choices we make. And it just works. All of his films have that same kind of formula, but with just different situations. And he's he's so good at that. Yeah. Yeah. I love the saying that a filmmaker is always chasing their first film over and over, you know, that that that, you know, Michael Mann is always trying to emulate what he did in thief you know i I, I especially with michael mann you know i've heard that i've heard that about quentin tarantino with reservoir dogs and pulp fiction it's like he's always trying to capture that uh paul thomas anderson's always trying to capture boogie nights again you know you're always trying to what was what was that magic that i had right from the get-go like i was saying everything at once you know and I, i love that about thief specifically with michael mann i just think I think he was at the very top of his game right from the get-go. It's my favorite Michael Mann movie. I think this and Heat are his two masterpieces. Uh, I like a lot of his movies. I enjoy a lot of them, but Thief and Heat are must-see for cinephiles. Like You have got to see those movies. Yeah, no arguments here. Here are some filmgasm facts. Uh, We talked about a few of these, but let's talk more about them. Number one, after The Godfather... This is James Kahn's favorite film of his own. He has stated that his monologue in the diner is the scene of which he is most proud of in his entire career. Right on. Very he cool. Should, he should be proud of that. Yeah, fucking A, I would be too. I, I don't know if I could ever do something that, you know, that's special. You know, saying saying those many things, but never, and, and that's probably the best part of, of Thief is, is right there, is is it never spoon it never like gives you exactly what's going on or it never does that thing that a lot of heist movies do where it's like now let's explain what's going on it just moves and you have to keep up you have to keep up but it's not very hard to keep up it meets it meets you halfway and i I don't know it just kind of fits right in this little niche where everything works yeah straight up number two i can't believe this the house that was blown up was actually a fake structure in front of the real house but when the fake house blew up, it heavily damaged the real house behind it. There you go. Yeah. The residents yeah. and neighbors removed a hotel during filming, and the real house was eventually demolished. 
Mm. Like, hey, don't worry. Your house is going to be fine. We build a fake house right in front of it, blowing that up. It's all going to be fine. You come home and your house is scorched to hell. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely, isn't that fantastic? Filmmaking. <laughs> Somebody didn't measure the right amount of fucking TNT or whatever the hell and blew up an entire house. That's That's amazing. Or they were like, fuck this, let's blow this house up. <laughs> you know, the the guys who were working on that part of a part that part of the film were like, hey man, let's this Michael Mann guy, he's new to this shit. He doesn't know what's going on. Let's fuck with him. <laughs> that what happened. The pyrotechnics guy was smoking up with Willie Nelson, forgot yeah. he already put the bomb in there, put another bomb in there, lit that shit up twice. Yeah, it was really Willie Nelson's fault. Cause when they were talking, they were smoking outside, and Willie's like, I don't know, fucking do it again. <laughs> throws his joint out throws his joint out boom that's yeah. fucking beautiful I wish that happened uh, maybe it did you never know let's see this let's see how let's see what's what happens here that's funny uh, number three this was nuts there are no false props used in the film every piece mm. of machinery used during the heist were the actual tools that would have been used in real life situations the there you mag- go. That's the magnetic drill James Kahn used during the opening scene weighed 200 pounds. Like that was a real Jesus. like Jesus safe cracking drill that he used. Uh, likewise, most of the tools and guns used in the film had actually been used in real life heists. That was real equipment confiscated. <laughs> so cool. Very cool. Yeah. Again, Michael Mann. Thank you. <laughs> and number four. The big jewel robbery in the film is based on an actual robbery masterminded by John Santucci, who serves as a technical consultant and plays police sergeant Urizi. So he was like, hey, back in the day, I robbed the jewels in this big skyscraper. Why don't we try that? (laughs) There you go. There you go. I love that. I love that so much. This movie's got so many little gems. Yeah, little gems. Um, I give Thief an eight. It's a solid heist film, a great character study. Yeah, as you can see, uh, my rambling is uh, my passion. My passion for this movie, and it's a it's a ten out of ten after watching it. Watching it again, and I own it now. And yeah, just I'll never shut up about Thief. It's one of those that I think I think people who uh, just don't know me or hear me talk about it are gonna be like, God, that guy's fucking annoying. You know, talking about Thief and Michael Mann. But I, but I, I stand by it. I, I adore this movie. I think it's the only. I don't know. Heat, heat's a nine right now. I, I, if I watched Heat again, I might raise it. You never know. But right right now, Thief is my favorite Michael Mann movie. It's the only 10 I give him. Very nice. My favorite right now is Collateral because that's still pretty fresh and that really blew me away. Oh, so good. So good. I, I, I'm due for a rewatch on Collateral. I love that movie. Yeah. That, God. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's do that on some other show. You know, yeah. we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you liked the show. Uh, feel free to follow us on our socials: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Filmgasm Productions. You can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. Uh, suggest films, uh, praise us, condemn us, whatever you want to do. Check out the website, filmgasm.com. We've got reviews, articles, trailers, every episode of the show. Everything you could possibly want from us is there. Uh, and if you want to support the show, you can click on support this podcast and throw whatever you want towards the show. We appreciate anything. Uh, next week, the cycle continues with my pick. It's time to learn who among us is a civilian or a citizen. 
because we're joining the mobile infantry and going to war with a race of giant alien arachnids. That's right, folks. Next week's episode is the ridiculous, over-the-top, super fun, epic, sci-fi action cult classic Starship Troopers. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, boy. I've ah, It's an all-time favorite of mine. I cannot wait. It's going to be a blast. I've been wanting to do this for years. Here we are, Starship Troopers. Very cool. I'm excited, I'm excited for you, man. I know you've wanted to do this since episode one. Ah, yeah, I'm excited. Um, be sure to check out the 1995 sexual disaster Showgirls on Fridays Beyond the Bad. Francois Truffaut's 1973 drama Day for Night on Oscar Sunday. And whatever we got going on uh, Monday sneak preview, whatever it is, I know it'll be fun. Still shopping ideas. Uh, nothing's coming out, so we got to figure something out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> until then, don't make any deals with the mob unless you want to end up chained to them for life and keep watching movies. Thank <laughs> you.